Welcome back into Mining Stock Daily. This is Trevor Hall. We have a, a company introduction to our listeners here on the podcast, and this is one that's an introduction that's kind of been in the works for, well, I guess, basically a couple of months now. We're just kind of waiting for the appropriate timing. I'm happy to introduce Ben's Mining. Uh, Ben's Mining, well, trades on a number of different exchanges with a number of different ticker symbols. Uh, we're going to get into that conversation with the head of corporate development, Mr. Paul Fowler. Uh, Paul, I know you're joining us from Toronto, so welcome into the podcast and it's a pleasure to finally have you on how you been very good thank you pleasure to be here uh ben's mining uh it's uh been kind of a wild ride the last couple weeks or months or kind of how you ever you want to put it but it seems like each week is a little bit different from the last uh given the news uh so really this is going to be kind of an overarching introduction to the company uh uh, paul if you could uh, give us the kind of the story the foundation of ben's mining and leading into the development of the east main gold project yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll do a lot of um, summarizing and, and redaction here because it's it's a, it's a project which has been around since um, it was actually originally discovered in the 1970s. So there's obviously um, close to three, four decades of, of history to go through here. But um, if I was going to summarize it as quickly as I possibly could, as I say, it was discovered in the 70s. A lot of people in Canada have heard about it, the East Main Mine, of course. But um, we, the, the management team with which I'm associated with um, is based in Australia, and we came in and got involved with this project in, um, first of all, in early 2020. So we've only really been working on this for, for under a year. But um, the project itself, um, for one reason or another, despite the fact it was discovered in, in the early 1970s, never really had a proper um comprehensive exploration program dedicated to it it was actually after it was discovered it was put into production in the early 1990s by um, a company called msv resources but um like i said it was never really even a proper exploration program and so our thesis has been that um despite the fact this is a past producing mine with an existing resource if it's given a proper appropriate comprehensive exploration program we think there's a possibility of delineating multiple millions of ounces here because of the geological setting um and where it's located so that's that's kind of how it all evolved and how we got involved in it um in a in a nutshell as it were yeah. uh and there this kind of goes back to recent news uh with the development of fury gold mines can you just walk us through uh kind of the how that was made up of, of bens and, and bringing the east main project into your portfolio yeah absolutely um and there's a bit of confusion around that because the the term east main is used in a bunch of different um um context is context so um we are working on what's known as the the old past producing east main mine there was a company called east main resources that owned this property um for uh, since i think they originally got involved in about 2003 up until um 2019 really when East Main Resources optioned this property, the East Main property, to um, Ben's Mining. Now, Ben's Mining in 2019 was not the same Ben's Mining as it is today. It's subsequently undergone a change of management and directors. But um, then East Main Resources was bought by Orin, and then Orin spun out a company called Fury. So 
we are still the optioners of this property, um, having optioned it originally from East Main. But the optioners are now Fury because they be they they bought East Main Resources. If that makes sense, and it's not too convoluted. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, shifting of hands here. The la- you know last couple of months here for this project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. And it, and you know that's that's been a a common consensus over the years. It goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's 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 changed hands a few times. Um, some of the prior owners never really had it as a priority in their um, in their portfolio. So it's never really been given the exploration program that we think it, it deserves. And um, I think this is this is probably a good point to also bring up what I think has been perhaps the single most important factor which has changed in the recent history of this mine which is that in 2016 um there was a, a road called a full all-weather access road called route 167 which was built from shibugamu which is the closest major town to us all the way up to the renard mine which was um originally stornaway diamonds and that was partly funded by the quebec government and what that achieved so as of 2016 onwards this property has been fully accessible by road which has will make an enormous difference to the economics of the project so that i think that that was a real watershed in the history of this project and why now in conjunction with the gold prices that we're seeing it, it's the right time for this thing for this project to uh, to hopefully grow exponentially uh paul i'm just kind of curious i mean you you've, you've you've talked about potentially millions of ounces of gold here in this project uh you, you want to put some modern exploration on it i'm just kind of curious i keep going back and you know with, with everything that happened in the change up with uh Oren into fury and all this why not why wouldn't they just hold on to the east main gold project if it's that you know if it looks that good yeah no that's an interesting that's an interesting point and my my understanding of i asked the same question when i when i came into the company and this is my understanding of the situation um i mean up until probably maybe only marginally more than a year ago the capital markets for junior exploration companies were were terrible yeah. um and this as east main resources as they were when we auctioned this property from them you know they didn't have a lot of access to capital um, and then in conjunction with that, this was not actually their priority project. The priority project was something called Eau Claire, which is was a very good project as far as I'm aware. And that indeed is one of the priority projects of Fury now as well, the successor company. So, you know, you had a situation whereby a junior mining company at the time, East Main, had a number of projects. They were very good at collecting projects, had a number of projects and simply didn't have the time nor the capital to sufficiently do anything with this one. Um, so... You know, in in the, I mean, this happens a lot in the mining world. If if you're not going to be able to move a project forward, the temptation is to, well, the right thing to do is probably to option it out so somebody can move it forward and you can extract value from it. And I think that's the best explanation as to why um, East Main now Fury um, optioned the mine to us. And I should be clear, it was East Main that, that optioned the mine to us, um, not Fury, which is the successor company having bought them. Okay. Uh yeah, it's just, it's just kind of it's surprising. I mean, because that group behind Fury, uh, I mean, they're no short of being able to raise capital. The project, they're not. Right? Uh, and honestly, I, I I don't want to speak for them. You should probably right. ask them if if you talk to them on a regular basis. Um, and indeed, I'd welcome many listeners to as well. But I think that um, the Fury team wouldn't make the same decision today um, as their predecessor team made back in 2019 when they optioned it to Benz. I'm I'm fairly confident they would agree that this is a a good-looking project that they that they wouldn't option out now. Okay, uh, so 
kind of walk us through the project and you know if you can just when you acquired the project uh, tell us you know technically what there is available how you expanded on it and what's the strategy here in 2021 yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I'll, I'll quickly tell you what's what's there at the moment. I've alluded to some of this already, but we have an existing resource, which is um, 376,000 ounces, uh, just under eight grams per tonne, which is uh, about 236,000 indicated and 140,000 inferred. So there's an existing high-grade resource. Um, and as I said, it also went into, the mine actually went into production in the 1990s. So it produced around about 40,000 ounces uh, at about 10.5 grams per tonne. So high-grade production has has been achieved in the past from this mine. Um, what we're trying to do with it, though, as I said earlier, the, the, the priority for us is to capitalise and exploit the exploration potential here. And one of the, the strategies that we've come in with as a management team is that we believe that the type of mineralisation that exists here on the East Main property is hugely receptive to the application of geophysical techniques in order to successfully identify um, new zones of mineralization and new trends. And we think that by applying these geophysical techniques, we can very quickly guide the resource and hopefully achieve, as I, as I mentioned earlier on, um, you know, multiple millions of ounces here. And that's not just a pie in the sky hope. I mean, we have a ton of geophysical expertise on our management team and in our board. So we certainly have the expertise to be able to execute this plan. But it's also based on the fact that I, I talked earlier about how this deposit was originally found in the in the nineteen in the nineteen seventies by by Placer. And even from the earliest stages at which this was discovered, it, it's documented that the type of mineralization that that is present here is receptive to the use of geophysical techniques. And and not to get too into the weeds here, but it's all to do with the the sulfide content and in, in particular, the pyrotite content um, of the deposit, which is associated with the gold. And the pyrotite is what can be very successfully targeted with um, both ground electromagnetics and downhole electromagnetics. And again, going back to my point about how this was successfully employed, even from the early stages of this deposit, um, there's, a there's a Placer report from, I think it's um, the early 1980s, which suggests that targeting gold mineralization using geophysical techniques um, resulted in a 71% success rate. So we know that these techniques work. So for us, with the expertise on board, the geophysical expertise we have on board, it was really a case of saying that this thing hasn't been capitalized property and we're fairly, prop sorry, properly, and we're fairly confident about the techniques that need to be employed in order to quickly uh, find the, the, the mineralization, the, the additional exploration potential here. So that's kind of the strategy, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It seems like there's a little bit more uh, uh, priority behind this electromagnetic uh, type of geophysics work that you're doing uh, leading into this drill program. I mean, you, you, you just spend a lot of time talking about that. And it almost seems like a lot of companies do these EM surveys, right, and to help decide uh, where their drill, uh, next drill uh, holes are going to go. But it almost seems like it's almost a passive, like it's passive in the stories of a lot of these projects. But it seems like here with East Main, you're putting a lot of priority into the results and application of those practices uh, up into this uh, drill program. And do you kind of is it a key part of the story as you're trying to push into the market? I mean, even though you know that really it's the results of the drill holes that are going to really prove your thesis out. Yeah, you're 100% right. Um, the, the market will, will want to see the drill hole results and the assay results before drawing any concrete conclusions. There's no question about that. But um, there is a, 
what's very unique about this the East Main deposit um, is that there, there is a proven ability of the use of geophysics to target the gold mineralization because of the fact that it's associated with the, the pyrotite. And, and that's not always the case. So, yes, different geophysical techniques can be of um, different degrees of use on different deposits. But in this particular case, there is a, um, a proven case that they're very, very effective at targeting the gold. And as a bit of an aside, um, the original founders um, that came in when when um, we recapitalized the company, um, our executive, executive chairman is a, is a guy called Evan Cranston. Um, he was one of the founders behind a company called um, Bellevue Gold. Uh, and Bellevue Gold, again, not to go into too many details, but Bellevue Gold is an incredible success story on the ASX. Uh, and it's one where you almost had an exact analogy. There was a there was a particular deposit that they came in and recognized that the gold mineralization was heavily associated with the pyrotite and the pyrotite could be targeted with the geophysical techniques. And that was a huge success story that grew, I think, to to which is now what is now a billion dollar company in the space of three or four years. So, you know, not not to say that that's definitely going to happen here, but there's a there's a precedent for applying this particular technique to this particular type of deposit, which we think is applicable in this case as well, if that makes sense. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, I want to go back to your latest news. Actually, it was right before Christmas. You did announce uh, the exploration campaign had identified new mineralized trends at East Main. Um, there was 12 diamond drill holes uh, that had been completed. Uh, you've got another 50,000 meters of drill uh, uh, drilling that's planned for this year, so no small feat. Uh, but I just, you know, as we, as we wait for the re- results from those initial 12 drill holes, when can we potentially see those results and how will that, you know, are you waiting uh, for, for those results to really help strategize that next 50,000 meters? Yeah, that's, that's definitely the case. You know, you, you always have to, uh, obviously we can potentially target our next, um, our next drill holes much better once we actually get the assay results in. So those assays are still in the lab, but we hope to receive them within two to three weeks. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll certainly have that information shortly and hopefully be able to release it to the market before the end of January. Um, I, sh- I should quickly point out, however, that um, there is, we actually put out a press release this morning, um, So which I think it came out at half past nine Eastern time. Um, and that's another update on some of the geophysical work that we've, we've been doing, whereby we've highlighted um, what is hopefully a third new zone. Um, I, I should say a third new conductive zone, at least, which hopefully will be mineralized. But uh, you know, we have reason to believe that reason to hope that it will be. Um, so now we've got three potential new trends that we, we're have either already started to drill test or we will be drill testing with a 50,000 meter program that we've got lined up for, for 2021. Sorry, I missed that. There's this, t- there's this gap in my day between when I get the news release out <laughs> and when I'm putting yeah. food into kids' mouths and getting them ready and to the door to school where I, yeah, yeah, right. I, I had to play catch up on. So I'll go back and read that news release. I'm sorry. I missed that. No, that's okay. That's I mean, one of the things I one of the things I did want to ask you about, and you and I were kind of chatting about this before we started recording. I mean, you you've recently started listing on the ASX, and so now you're listed on the ASX with the symbol BNZ. You're also listed in Germany with the symbol One VU. You have an OTC ticker with BENZF, and you also are obviously on the Venture Exchange with the symbol BZ. So you 
you're you're running a global on the global exchanges here i mean i can't wait for like uh, the listing in chile or something like that uh but you know you know you know why why you're one of the few companies that really are listed on the uh major boards for junior mining why is that yeah that's that's a great question um and um so i i think the best way to answer that is to you know, I, I won't go into all the reasons that why we're listed in in Toronto, for example. I mean, it's it's obvious being on the venture exchange, given where our asset is, and and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but perhaps the most interesting part of this story is relates to our ASX listing. So we officially listed listed on the ASX on December the twenty third, um, twenty twenty. So a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, the, the team that came in and recapitalized this um, and the majority of the team um, on the board of directors um, and um, a couple of the guys on the senior executive team, along with myself, um, they are Australians and based in Australia. And I mentioned earlier on uh, our executive chairman by the name of Evan Cranston, who um, had um, success with an analogous asset in Australia. Um, so the team down there in Australia um, have a track record of succeeding with a very similar asset in Australia and subsequently have very good access to capital and a very heavy following in Australia. And um, in addition to that, uh, I would argue, and I won't go into all the points here, but I would argue that access to exploration capital in Australia is actually better and cheaper than it is right now in Canada for a multitude of different reasons that relate to the impact of passive funds and things like that. So to cut a long story short, um, the fact that we had this management team and board with a following in Australia um, who could access plentiful capital down there um, was one of the main reasons that we listed on the ASX. And it it bore itself out as well because we actually, before we listed on the ASX officially, we did a capital raise um, at the end of um, October for $13 million. And actually the majority of the subscribers for that capital raise were Australian. So before we listed on the ASX, we knew that, you know, we could access capital down there for all the reasons I just discussed. Um, and then now we're listed in Australia. We continue to get a, um, a lot of interest from, from the investing community down in Australia as well, as you can see from what the share price has done since December the 23rd. Yeah, it's, so, just, it's gone crazy. <laughs> it's yeah, been great. Um, and it, like I say, it's all to do with Australians recognizing the ability that this team has to, to move this deposit forward and, and to the extent that the analogy with Bellevue is relevant, um, you know, hopefully that they can apply that success to this deposit as well. Yeah. So that so that's why we listed on the ASX, if if that kind of makes sense. Well, yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, ultimately, it's all to do with access to capital and the cost of capital. So, well, so that's exactly, we and that's it. Seems like you have an incredible amount of options here. The next time you potentially need to go back and raise some capital. I mean, if it's easier and uh, more fulfilling as far as you know, you know. Uh, raising more money from the Australian investors. That's one thing. But now you also have the ability to go in and maybe raise through some flow through shares in Canada. Absolutely. Well. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and without getting into too many, too many of the weeds here, that's precisely what we did with the raise in October. It was actually a flow through raise that was bought on the, it was a, it was what's called a charity flow through raise that was yeah. bought on the back end by Australian, a lot of Australian investors. So yes, we, we've, we've, managed to find a way to capitalize on the flow-through mechanism in Canada and our Toronto listing, along with the fact that uh, a lot of our access to capital and, and cost of capital is optimized by um, talking to the Australian investors at the moment as well. So the Australian investors that went in on that flow-through deal back in October, I mean, can they reap the benefits of that charity flow-through for tax reasons, or they just went in because they wanted to back the company? 
No, it's I, I won't go into details here, and not least because I'm I'm not the expert on this, but it was something called a charity flow through mechanism, which is which is actually well known to um, a lot of exploration companies in Canada. The the company us Benz raise flow through dollars, which have to be spent on flow through eligible right. expenditures, but. Um, there's a mechanism by which you can raise those dollars and the back-end subscribers to that transaction are effectively fundamental buyers. And in this case, they were they were investors in Australia. So it's, it's, it's a way of structuring a, a flow-through capital raise that isn't through the traditional flow-through funds. And the uh, not that it will mean very much to, to many people who aren't uh, fully familiar with all this sort of thing, but in our case, it was a it was a transaction that was structured with with pear tree securities, mm-hmm. um, and again I won't go into the details of how it all works, but it means that you raise flow through dollars, but you have fundamental subscribers to the actual issue. If that mean, if that makes sense. Yeah, I thought there was a tax benefit though for Canadian subscribers. To do yeah, there is. The, the tax benefit ends up going to the um, in this case the pear tree that structured okay. the deal for us. So that, that's kind of roughly how it works. Okay, got it, got it. Uh, Paul, let's wrap it there. I, I asked you for 15 minutes, and we and we got 20, and I'm sure there'll be more news down the pipeline here in the next couple of weeks. Happy to have you back on the show here this spring to kind of talk about the latest results from the drill and also uh, anything else for exploration work at the East Main Gold Project. I appreciate your time. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks very much. I, I look forward to coming back. We'd love to uh, love to give you guys an update in a few weeks. Now. All right. Paul Fowler, excuse me, Paul Fowler from Ben's Mining. Uh, again, trades on the ASX, Germany, OTC, and the TSX Venture. You can find a TSX Venture with a simple BZ. That's going to wrap up this episode. We'll be back later here today still with some more market commentary. Stay tuned. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decision.